Hello fellow Moners, welcome back to another series of One Foot in the Podcast with your host Tom. This series I'm kicking off with another new guest and this time Girl Power It Is because I've got Nikki on the show. Hi Nikki. Hi Tom. Thank you very much for joining. Uh, oh, thanks series. very much. It's, it's, it's going to be brilliant I'm sure. But yeah, it's good to have you on. Uh, yeah, it's a brand new much. series. I think the show is well and truly picked up now. I mean, the actual, in terms of reviewing it, not my podcast, although it seems to be doing quite well. So thank you to everybody who sends me feedback and stuff. It's really nice of you. So Nikki, good to have you on. Thank you. I'm going to be asking you the questions I just asked um, before I press record. Do you remember the time you first got into One Foot and what your earliest memories? Yeah, um, well, I was uh, just heading towards 21 at the time. So I was slightly uh, older than the new (laughs) guys. Um, But um, I remember seeing a trailer for it just before Christmas. Um, I think it transmitted uh, January 1990. Yes, it was, yeah, 1990. So um, I thought I'd give it a go. I liked, um, I'd seen um, Richard Wilson probably in a couple of things, but not taken too mm. much notice of him. But the trailer yeah. for the show looked as if it was going to be fun. And it was different from the kind of cosy comedy of things like Terry and June and The Good Life. It looked as if it had a... Um, a side that would probably appeal to me so uh, I've basically watched from the start. Oh brilliant so th- was it series one you first discovered or did you get into it? Brilliant that's nope. good. That's series not... one day one. Now you you make a reference that you you're so called old but for, I can see Nikki from my <laughs> camera and she looks really good for I don't, even well, saying the phrase for you, your Tom. age sounds patronizing <laughs> but um, yeah I just thought I'd get that out there. Um, Thank you that's very kind. That's a fine. So Series 4, arguably the strongest of the whole series, from what people tell me. It's a very memorable and strong, dark episodes. And the show has well and truly come on into its own, already established itself as one of the best around at the time. And it obviously still is to this day. Although I still argue that it doesn't get the praise and coverage it deserves, um, especially in the social media world. Obviously, there's life outside of social media, like you and I discussed. There are um, tens of thousands of fans, probably in the hundreds of thousands. I don't know. But it used to get millions and millions of views, didn't it? So they're out Did, there somewhere. I think, um, I think this one got 17.3 million view, viewers on that night. And that, well, uh, thanks to a very good book. Um, but it was amazing. You know, you'd, you would struggle to get anywhere close to that now. So it was, yeah. uh, it was certainly ahead of its time. But it's nice to think that that many people have seen it. So hopefully podcasts like yours will make um, people want to listen. Well, hopefully. I mean, does this does one foot... Is, do you regard it as your favourite or is it just up there and you've got another favourite or you're not obliged um, to say it, One Foot in the Grave just because this is a podcast. One, only Falls is my favourite. One Foot comes very, very close to it. I'm just being honest with listeners. Yeah, what, what's yours? I think perhaps um, if I'm totally honest, uh, Only Falls would definitely be my first. Um, I can picture where they are, what they're doing, what they're wearing and what the next scene is. Um, probably closely followed by One Foot um and then porridge open all hours um then into the 90s i like things like the thin blue line um you know just uh and then obviously things like dinner ladies because i'm a girl and that was you know very much set <laughs> i love dinner ladies you know, yeah girls. my so guests I, seem to have the just... same kind of taste as me like everyone i've had on more or less likes the same comedies is there anything post one foot that you like post 2000 do you like anything from the last decade or so? Um, probably still game. Oh, the yeah. um, is that a Scottish 
yeah, it's, it's Jack yeah. and Victor, very funny. It's, it, um, it's loads of series, isn't there? Yeah. It's about eight or nine or ten or something. Uh, I think it's nine series, nine. if memory serves correct. Either eight or nine. Yeah. I've got them all on DVD. I just packed away in a box somewhere. Okay, that's a good recommendation. Uh, for me, Office, Not Going Out, Peep Show. But they're not exactly recent, recent, but in comparison to the comedies you just mentioned, quite new still. But there's very little choice out there at the moment, so just waiting for the next big break, uh, next big breakthrough. I think that's why there's a lot of people do rewatches of old sitcoms and even listen to podcasts just to hear others talk about it. Is my theory, but um, because they're waiting I, for the I do next... think you've got to go a long way to get something that has the uh, the, the following of one foot in relation to how it deals with things that are quite um dark and troubling but also yeah. has so many comedic moments that aren't yeah. they don't feel as if they're forced into the show they're mm. um they're, they're you know it's um it's a really easy show to watch yeah um at times and very funny so um, oh, yeah i mean i reckon it's a good time to dive straight in if you're ready okay lovely yeah. let's crack on let's go we open up with an external shot of Riverbank. It's, I think it's around the back of, there's some garages in the background. We've got Patrick walking his. Now, what dog is that? It's not a sausage it's dog, a, is it? It is a sausage dog, it's but a sausage I, think dog. It's a, I think it's a puppy because it's really small. It's tiny, absolutely <laughs> tiny. Um, we'll, I guess there's some theories of why he's got this dog. Uh, we, can mention, we can talk about it later on, but he's walking his little dog and there's uh, an awkward encounter because Victor walks past him and they clearly by now, more than built up uh, tension, haven't they? They blank each other as they walk past. Victor's carrying... It's a fish tank, isn't it? It's it a, is it's, a fish tank. We, do, we probably it don't know for sure. Yeah, that it's, you would uh, actually have fish in a fish tank as opposed to having fish in a in a bag like you would normally do. So, when it, when uh, I mean, obviously, they, they, do, they do roll around quite a lot. I've, I have looked, and you can see something floating in there. But mm. uh, I'm, I'm hoping for the fishy's sake, it's probably just a piece of plastic of some sort. Well, you would hope so. I mean, the, we're, here we are, series four, first see, series, sorry, series four, first episode, opening seconds, and already as an animal, fish. <laughs> well, we, we, it is fish in there, but I guess when, when I did the rewatch of this, and I watched it for some time, I thought surely there's fish in there, but I wasn't too sure, but obviously it is. So straight away, Animal themes are con- uh, continued. That's definitely not going to They are gone consistent away. within the shows, aren't they? Definitely. Well, everything from the theme titles, you know, to whatever <laughs> the episode is. So, yeah, they're, they're at that point where they either squabble and shout each other, or they're just going to have to ignore each other because that's the easiest thing to do. And what was the last thing? So, the, so we, we, when they last met, from what we saw, it was beware the tricks on the roof, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to Patrick and Pip were trying to sell the house, which of course, thanks to Victor, I don't think it's his his fault at all. But of course, his indirectly he's he was responsible for some of those potential buyers walking away. So I guess more than ever, Patrick's got it in for me, got it in for him. They did a funny they do that funny thing where I don't I don't know if you if people do it but when you've blanked each other and you sort of turn around to see if they're looking and that's what they do isn't it they both do it at the same time <laughs> did you see that there was three 
um, for sale boards that were stuck at the side oh. of uh, Patrick's house. <laughs> so obviously he's had a succession of estate agents who have not had any luck at all. So he's finally gone with uh, the Woolwich. It's a great bit of detail, isn't it? Yeah, I did. See yes. that. I didn't really think to sort of digest that, but I guess that's a re- really neat bit of detail. Very good bit of continuity from the last episode. I just, I love this sitcom. It's very subtle for that, isn't it? Most sitcoms Renwick have a is very good at having an opportunity mm. to to take things all the way through. Mm. I even rewatched the uh, the next one, uh, which I'll explain later, just to make sure that there was a prop that was that was there in this one that was there in the in the next one. So Brilliant. He, he does a really good job. Yeah, he does. Well, we're then brought to the Meldrew Garden. Victor's entering through the back gate, and the site we see it looks like there's a bit of well, there's no one present in this garden but clearly there's some work being carried out there's a big hole that's been dug with a site of an old black and white portable television which was still around in the early 90s people were still i think even i had a black and white television at one point and you can only one can only assume what's happening at the moment victor doesn't look best pleased does he as he as he carries his fish tank in he doesn't well there clearly doesn't appear to be much of the way of work going on <laughs> it's not the deepest hole either um i wonder what when you first watch this you think what the hell's gone on here because Obviously, there's a, a gardener that's been involved, but it could quite equally be problems with neighbours or someone has just played a prank on him or something. But the fact there's a television there, workmen these days, I don't know, workmen or work women, they might have not even a radio to, for entertainment. They might just have their phones, you know, playing whatever, but you've got literally a, a big television there. Seems a bit... <laughs> it's um, one of the really sort of wide TVs where it's really wide at the back. You used to probably uh, oh, just uh, so heavy. pick it up with a handle at the back and it has one of those uh, round aerials at the top, which yeah. only some people will remember. No, even yeah, even I can remember that. <laughs> I used to be envious of people who had a built-in TV aerial plugged into the wall, whereas I obviously had the manual analogue one where you just had to hope the weather was quite you know dry um, and you positioned it at the right spot in your room just to get the perfect picture brought straight into the dining area looks like margaret's setting up for tea i think it's sad for me to say that i just like the little detail with this bottle of ketchup on the there. tomato ketchup bottle yeah i know everyone does that this on the... you, you just balance the empty one on top of the full one i don't know why you do that because surely the full one is too full to accept any more from the empty one but god that's pretty geeky to even discuss that <laughs> it doesn't matter at all but that's the first thing i spotted margaret's acknowledging the even larger fish tank that he victor's acquired so he must have two fish tanks then he's obviously got one maybe he just has one to carry back the mm. succession of fishies that he needs to rebuy each time before we get into the whole fish tank related matter margaret's on the cordless telephone and we we can actually as the viewer here the answer machine message that kicks in so she's trying to get hold of her mother obviously annette crosby's voice isn't it which i thought was quite sweet well no it's not is it not 
uh, do you know, I always thought exactly the same as you. I thought that was her voice, but I did some research and it was a lady called Catherine Page. And <laughs> I thought it um, yeah, she born. Uh, born in 1908 and died in uh, 2003. So she was 94 when she went. Um, a little reference to Only Falls here, actually. She was Mrs. Baker, who was the landlady no. on the Jolly Boys outing when she suggested that they go and try the Villa Bella. She was in the, in the really nice cosy B&B, wasn't she? And yeah. That's correct, yes. What a, br- what and, a brilliant bit of um, knowledge there, because I, I and other people I've seen online just write, yeah, that's obviously Annette Crosby, because why get in an actress to voice it? But it just sounds like it, doesn't it? It does sound like a Scottish old lady. Well, unless that's it, done on purpose does. is she i don't think she well that actress isn't scottish is she unless she she is scottish yeah the, the the actress herself is scottish it says on um uh imdb that her name is mrs endicott which i presume is margaret's maiden name which we've yeah. i don't think has ever come about i don't think i don't uh, I'm not sure that's ever mentioned is it no but I always thought that was um Annette Crosby i'll be honest so i was a bit surprised but uh, oh, okay yes. well okay. thank you for that because i you put me straight. Guests often do that. And I always <laughs> first to say I got it wrong. So no, I don't think you got it wrong. I think we all thought the same, but it's just when you, um, when you read the book, the Richard Webber book, it does actually explain it in, in detail. So right. don't worry. There's no judgment here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, it's a very cute little mix up with her mum because so Margaret's making the call and the, the answer C message, or is it, this is what I was trying to establish. Her mum has left the actual recording message is of what her mum thinks is a phone call, a previous phone call to Margaret. She's made previously made, but she's rec- accidentally recorded it as a voicemail. Is that right? Well, I so presume so. Because so. Margaret's made the telephone call to her mum to say, oh, it's Wednesday, just to say that, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be up. Up there, up there, as in at your house, Sunday at three o'clock or whatever. Margaret's made that call, and the voicemail's kicked in, and it's her mum leaving a message as if it's she's calling Margaret, which is a very bit of a confusing mix-up. But it's quite stereotypical because it's just saying, "Oh, the elderly generation, they don't quite know how to work answer machine messages." Mm. Yes. Very sweet little mix-up brings a little smile to Margaret's face. She leaves a message to say, "Yeah, we'll be up at your house, at yours." on sunday so it's wednesday in the present moment six o'clock six o'clock to be precise there yeah. yes um in that moment i think victor enters the kitchen and margaret you know just asks well, without any context to us the viewer any luck how did it go we do establish that it's in it a job interview isn't it yeah for the uh, packing bench at the herald which we presume is the local newspaper yeah i heard the herald and i was just i had to rewind it back and go what job at the herald it's obviously a newspaper but and he describes the, so it transpires, yeah, they have got a gardener and he just calls, calls him the wild man of Borneo, which I had to Google, which is a 1941 comedy film. Have you seen the wild man of Borneo? Do you know I haven't? I, I didn't assume you had. <laughs> That's not an age drive, but I hadn't heard of it. But it's, Victor's very good at that. In I, I wish I had that knack of having a sarcastic response by comparing something to some something from the past something historical because that's quite a funny trait to have i think it's sarcastic and doesn't always go down well but i wish i had more of that even though it's deemed miserable 
I quite like. That. I like sarcasm. I think I it's it. a, I think it's a good, honest trait, and many more people mm. should have it. Yes, I think so as well. Well, by describing him the wild man of Borneo, this him, this gardener, we've already got a picture of what he's like because he looks like he works. Doesn't it's not the tidiest of workers. Dumped his old telly the bottom of their garden, so that's going to rile Victor up, isn't it? Yeah. He says um, quicker using a trained lugworm at this rate. Presume just some lugworm is some kind of thing in the ground, a mm. bit like a worm or something. Maybe goes at the same pace as a worm. Uh, I mean, he clearly hasn't made much progress on the garden just by no. having a very small. Uh, I mean, I probably could have dug down that far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's only got a, just a small square in the garden. So I think he's just uh, venting his frustration that, well, basically yeah. he's not working as quickly as he should do. Well, we, we discover from Victor is the reason why he's got this worker in. And, and before I get into it, Margaret's already had jived at him for getting someone in basically cheap. And I said before that. I know you're not a 40 Towers fan, but Sybil used to have a go at Basil for bringing in cheap workmen. Victor seems to bring in cowboys, whether it's Chippy Joe, whether it's the McKendrick brothers, twins, who are nice enough, but they might not do the best job, whichever car mechanic he goes to. Nick Maloney, yeah, the the car mechanic. Nick Maloney plays two characters, the car mechanic in series one and the locksmith. But whoever it's, oh, yes. whoever whoever it is, Victor, I assume books them, and they're not the best, but they're probably cheap, which is probably where he's coming from. But yeah, next door, as in Patrick, they've got some sort of cherry tree growing, overhanging their garden, sucking all the moisture out like an elephant's trunk, which is what trunk. they used. I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> so they're just looking to cut the roots from their side, so to grow again. So this unnamed garden at this stage that's what he's there there to do dig a hole so he can get under to cut the roots is that allowed i don't know i suppose if it's in your property you can um, i'm guessing probably in the 90s you could do anything you wanted you didn't really have to worry too much about it but you know. no that's true <laughs> um victor appears that is what we know to be guppy fish uh they, they, to me they look dead i think he's they, they are to st- real you can see I, i've seen one real? move Yes, just to make sure, because, you know, we do like continuity, don't we? We need to know if they're dead plastic fish or if they're real ones. They are real ones. Is this a new hobby then? I guess, collecting fish? I presume so, yes. Never seen them before? He clearly doesn't have uh, uh, much luck with them. Uh, Neither do I, I might add. I've killed a fair few fish, unfortunately, in my time. Not to uh, want to try in, but... uh, No, not on purpose. (laughs) No, they're they're hard to keep, like hamsters, so... Some bad luck with hamsters um, over the years. Well, these are just goldfish. I just think I was just unlucky. I, I have actually used the uh, the terminology that I have more luck in the co-op freezer for my own fish in the past. Oh, brilliant reference. Yeah. Yes. Brilliant from Margaret. Yes. Yeah. More. That's, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Margaret asked if he's cleared the dead fish out of his main tank, which I assume the guppies are there to replace the current fish. And he is, also thinks he's been overcharged by one One, one guppy, guppy too many. One guppy too many. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, where's the tea strainer, which I thought was brilliant. It's just, I'm hoping that tea strainer is dedicated to that job and not shared. <laughs> well, he, he gets it out of the drawer where the placemats are, which makes Whoa. me wonder whether or not it's just a random tea strainer or if he, if he has actually had that previously, because I'm presuming he's, uh, you know, he's had his fair share of dead fish to deal with. You do have a, a big net to get them out, but a fish... To be fair, a tea strainer just... It would do the job, wouldn't it? If, it, if it's it a dedicated tool for that purpose, then for it's fine. Job. Yes, 
Yeah, yes. I don't see any problem. We do learn that Victor's got a job job interview. No, sorry, he's going to be called between nine and one the following one. day for the result of this job outcome. Interview, yeah. So he has to make himself available. Make himself available. Yes. This is the second job, I think, he's gone for because worst horror of all, he was he was a doorman, which he left. That's the end of series three. Yes, so this that's is, the end of series three, yes. Yeah, and this job is for, just remind me. Uh, he's working on the packing bench, which that's could it. even be, it, do you think that's where they put the papers together well, and I put the so. starting round them? He, hasn't, he doesn't really aim high unless it was a different game in the 90s where he didn't really get jobs on merit. Like he held a relatively good job for so many years. And although it's just security officer, I'm sure he had other elements to his role and transferable skills, as it were. But he's going for jobs that I guess I say anyone able-bodied could do. Anyone that mm. you know, obviously he's a lollipop man later in later series, uh, window cleaning. I think maybe he just sets his sights just a little lower so he's got a chance because just to do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he just doesn't want to be on the scrap heap of life, does he? He just mm. wants to be able to do something. So yes, and yeah. in the, in the midst of that, um, apparently he's. He's man- with going back to the fish. He's managed to kill off 127. So I didn't we're... do that badly. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear. I was asking myself, why don't you rather than putting the so he proceeds to put the fish in a little footstool bin? Is that the phrase footstool bin? But I was thinking, pedal why bin. don't you put a pedal bin? Thank you. Why not put it in the um, down the toilet? But of course, he's already tried that and it comes back they up. Come which... back up. <laughs> Is that a thing? Does do they? I've never put. A fi- I mean, I'll ask the expert. Have you ever put your dead fish down the say expert like you always do? Have you ever put? No, a f- no, no, I haven't. Um, I gave one fish that we did have for a little while uh, a burial in the garden, um, but unfortunately the newbies just ended up in the bin. But I certainly didn't put them down the toilet. Oh. It's uh, yes, it, it's just it's a sad time. I was very sad when I lost my fish, but uh, you know it's. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, he's got tropical fish. I only had goldfish, so heaven only knows what would have happened if I'd yeah. had goldfish. I, um, I, I mean, you, it's been a long time since you could win one of these, but I did. I won goldfish at the fair classic. Um, I called it Winky, which made everyone laugh at the time. I didn't, I didn't really know that it was it, Winky could be a comical root name, but I thought Winky was appropriate at the time. I don't know, obviously, it didn't last long, but. Yeah, you certainly can't win fish at a fair anymore. We did win three when when we were younger, myself and my two brothers. Uh, so we won one each. So we had, uh, at the time, Starsky, Hutch and Huggy Bear um, that right. were um, in a little uh, red fish tank by the uh, by the sink in the, downst- uh, in the kitchen downstairs. Um, and the cat got them. So I probably should have just stayed away from fish all the time. Uh, my parents said that um, they decided to swim down the plug hole so as three young children we were just we were looking for them uh you know in rivers and streams every time we went past Aww, so I, i'm guessing that's what you do you just lie to your children don't you well yeah the worst <laughs> thing that happened to me was i put my hamster in one of those rolling balls and i had a cat and obviously it was a crappy plastic ball which came which split in half mm-hmm. and sometime later my cat obviously got in and making it was the most hideous sounding noise the cat and the hamster were both making because the poor little thing was being attacked i was about 11 10 or 11 and i just thought my cat was killing a mouse or something so i didn't really i didn't intervene but i was just like horrified because it just sounded like something from a horror film when i realized it's my hamster it's just absolutely gutting 
I don't know what I could have done because when a cat is at its most angriest, it's just it clutches onto whatever it's got. There's no way you can pull it apart from a little delicate hamster. It would have arguably done more damage, although the damage was done straight away. So I don't know what I could have done oh. apart from looking after it properly. I suppose that's <laughs> that's one thing. Well, no, they the. I've had hamsters as well. I've had a fair few animals in my time of one thing or another, but they click together. So you've, you've got two halves and you click them together. And yeah. sometimes when they're just rolling around, they just unclick. So they're rubbish. Yeah. And that's, it, that's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah. My intentions were good, but yeah. Anyway. You never had another hamster? I had about, yeah. well, I've had Ooh. three in total. That's probably the last time. Another one escaped and went under my brother's bed and squashed and died. I don't know how it, something must, my brother had lots of rubbish under his bed, so it might, something might collapse on it. Another one escaped, so I think three and four. And the other, the fourth one, whether it's chronological order, I'm saying it correctly or not, it just collapsed in its cage. It was just, it was always fun going out to buy hamster stuff from the pet shop, all the tubes and the sawdust. That was always fun. But no, never again, because their lifespan's so short, it's just tragic. It Off is. on a tangent again, sorry. That's okay. Right, Tangent okay. away. Tangent away. So there's Victor pulling out uh, fish, uh, obviously dead floaty fish from his fish tank. Um, I noticed the first one he places, not gently, but not too badly in the pedal bin, but I think the second one he almost jettisons in yes. <laughs> at a fairly rapid rate. And I, I, I felt as if that was him saying, you know, I don't need you anymore. You have no, no purpose. Get away. So I, uh, yeah, I, I, I did quite like that. Yes. I, I think he was... From what I can see, there's some sort of adjustments he needs to... Well, I think he says there's some adjustments he needs to make to the, like, the airflow mm -hmm. uh, because there's, it kind of goes everywhere, doesn't it? It's, the water sprouts up and water goes all over out. him. Yeah, so I said sprouts, didn't I? Sprouts. So, yeah, that, I think we've probably dwelled enough on he, that on that scene. He does use a fork to remove one fish that's on the top of a oh. what looks like a rock. And he flings that in the bin and then just wipes his fork on his coat and puts it back on the table. And I've, I've often wondered whether or not he as the head of the household would be at the head of the table, meaning that was Margaret's fork that he used and then just wiped on his coat. Good point. To, to spear a dead fish. Yes. Oh, that's a good, that's, that's, I can say food for thought, but probably the wrong phrase. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of it like that. In reference to, so Margaret calls out and says, you know, spoke to her mum, says, you know, I don't think she got the hang of the answer, answer machine. Uh, I think Victor references or refers to as getting battier by the minute or wackier by the minute. I couldn't quite tell what he said. Um, battier. Battier. Margaret says she doesn't, she doesn't know why she got an answer machine in the first place. You know, she doesn't go very far. In other words, she can, she's always there to answer the phone. But Victor does say uh, she might get a bit further. She stopped growing runner beans off her simmer frame. <laughs> Whether that's, I like to think that's not done on purpose. Like she's just got her simmer frame buy a garden nursery like in a conservatory or something and it just because she's always in and never uses them in it's just happened I, don't, I like to think that was just by accident because it's very meldery for that to happen yes very no, one I foot agree. in the grave yeah yes um it'd be quite creative if she did actually use it for that purpose but it sounds better because apparently she does she slice waxed slice... fruit onto her all brand keeps yeah. her regular by all accounts yeah <laughs> <laughs> So does stick in a stick of dynamite. Um, oh, and he yeah, interrupts uh, himself, doesn't he, at that point? He does, yes. Um, because he thinks he can hear ne something next door. You're talking about us. I just caught the words, arsehole, think he's playing now. <laughs> get starting to get paranoid. And I think he's out here. He has every right he can hear, apparently. Arsehole, does he think he's playing that? 
very thin walls. Feels like it doesn't happen anymore, but we get an empty glass jar to listen to whatever ha- whatever's happening next door. So you can sort Does of. Does that actually work? I've never I've never known th- whether or not that I've never have, done it, but I've always thought that it didn't work. I have done it. I can't. I couldn't tell you at a time a specific time where I've <laughs> been a creep and trying to listen to whatever's going on next door, but it feels like it works. Oh, okay. Or sound it. It sounds like you. It it basically blanks out surrounding audio in your room and it just filters what very very subtle noises from the next room great visual here is it switches to patrick in his uh, house he's doing the same thing so they're both very much very they're as bad as each other aren't they they're as bad as each other what i didn't understand here is victor's in his kitchen i i because all the houses are pretty much the same design wouldn't it be the kitchen that patrick patrick's not in his kitchen is what i'm trying to say he's in like a dining room area Unless that, it, it, I'm sure it's not impossible, but I just would have thought it'd, it'd be like mirrored almost. You see what I mean? So just a very nerdy observation. Um, do you know, I'm, I'm guessing if, uh, yeah, do you know, you could, you could be right. It's, um, you know, especially with terraced houses, sometimes if they are individual, sometimes mm. you get ones where the, the kitchens are the same in number one and number three, but are different in two and four. Yeah. Do you know, I've never given it any thought. I just remember thinking that's a very big spaghetti jar he's got attached to his ear it's massive i mean to be fair yes. like with, with podcasts i think the art of these podcasts is to be very like picky whereas your regular viewers and me for many years wouldn't really take on board half of what i can see but i just thought yeah i wonder how what that setup is but pippa's a little bit seems a little bit fed up with patrick a bit how a bit like how mark would be a victor i suppose mm-hmm. because they're both just being as petty as each other and he says a line saying yeah, that's five times this week or something. I wouldn't be surprised if he's putting them on Ritz crackers. Because, yes. <laughs> I mean, from Patrick's point of view, that comes across as a sarcastic, comical one-liner, but he probably believes it. Pippa just wants a spaghetti She's jar. She's just got spaghetti all over the... I mean, it was... It beggars belief that she just said, here, you can use this jar. I mean, did he just empty it and go and do it probably. and not ask her? He and probably did she is trying to find it all, put it all back in the jar. Looking very youthful is Janine Davitsky. Well, but yeah, she, she does look young. Patrick refers to the Victor Margaret's gardener as a Homer erectus. So all the jibes are coming left, right and centre for this poor gardener. I say poor. We'll, we'll soon meet him and what he's like. But it could, yes. basically compares him to the, you know, a caveman, if you like. Pippa, probably purposely, just to get one up on Patrick or just to get under his skin a bit because... He's annoying her. She essentially fancies him because he's a bit rugged. Yeah, I you think know, he's he looks... cute, she says. I mean, he, he's very, he's as far removed from Patrick as you're ever going to get. Oh, the total opposite. Patrick's yes. very quite square, isn't he? Quite dry. <laughs> and I think Pippa probably subconsciously wants someone like Garden just for a bit of excitement. I believe she loves Patrick, but I think they live, a, from what we see, a pretty bland life. At least Victor and Margaret have a bit of excitement unintentional excitement not in that way mm-hmm. but things happen and they just they are kept busy whereas patrick and pippa less on the, re- the receiving end of, of a victor cock up there doesn't seem to much be happening he kind of works from home developing whatever business he has and i don't think pippa works does she well she she was a bus driver oh yeah that's um, it it ended yeah, tragically of course it which... did so we, we actually don't know whether or not she still kept her job there's no indication here that she's got a job but um mm. it's uh, i'm guessing it doesn't really come up again does it she does mention well pat um patrick picks up his little doggy uh, denzel we don't know the name denzel at the moment but it, 
but the dog is called Denzel. Pippa's a little bit dubious that this dog was supposed to be put, brought for her birthday, I think, or Christmas. And she's not convinced. She just thinks, oh, he's brought that for himself because in a slight it's selfish way. It's your baby way, substitute. It's your baby. Yeah. Mm. When she was pregnant in series three, or the Christmas special before series three, I don't think she actually wanted a child. It was like an accidental pregnancy from what I can make out. So why is she getting funny that this is a baby substitute? It's almost like she's saying, well, I actually want a baby, but this is your baby substitute. So I'm going to be a little bit funny with you about this. I don't know. I kind of interpreted it that um, obviously because the the reason she lost her baby was in in some way she probably felt was her fault. Um, And I think probably Patrick was trying to placate her at a time that was maybe a bit difficult for her and thought I know what I'll get you a dog right which obviously isn't the same thing but it still gives you something to look after and take care of and he is really cute um you know as as you are on about the dog not the gardener (laughs) oh yeah I don't do hair (laughs) (laughs) or hairy men I I, personally I can't think of anything worse you had to blow dry his um bottom wouldn't you yeah had to blow dry his bottom did you see how tidy the cupboard was with all the cat food in it? I like oh, that. Is that Patrick's um, tidiness? That's not Pippa, is it? Pippa, I don't know. No, she does housework. That would be Patrick's tidiness, yeah. yeah. You can definitely think he's probably the more OCD in the relationship. Oh, 100%. And a bit like with my dog, I do sometimes give my dog cat food because he just prefers it with, with the biscuits I give him. It's just a, a thing. I don't know. There's no set rules that... Cat food should be for cats. Dog food should be dogs. It's, it's essentially the same. It's just the larger quantities. I was going to say, it's probably just the quantity that's it's the just difference. The quantity, it's probably the stuff it? that goes in, yeah. And it's mostly in pouches for cats. So that's the only difference I can make out. <laughs> anyway, should we move on to the... It, I don't know if it's this, like, later on in the day. It's a bit sunnier. Could be the following day. I don't know. Probably the following day because the garden wasn't there previously and he probably comes once a day. So we're in the Meldrew back garden again, probably the next day. And we do see the site of... Mr. Gardner. Now, <laughs> Mr. Kazansky, I think it is. Is that referenced in this episode as Mr. Kazansky? Kazan, is that how you pronounce it? I, yeah, I believe so. Uh, when Margaret says towards the end, he, um, I think she does mention Mr. Kazansky. I just think uh, for the purposes of, of ease, just call him Mr. K. Mr. But yes. uh, there he is watching the um, the black and white. I, always, I did wonder where the electricity supply would come from for the TV, but there is a, an extension There's there. There's an extension which, again uh, underneath the blue tarpaulin rug, whatever it is you call it. Yes. Now, this is Daniel Peacock playing Mr. Scruff with the yes. ridiculous amount of back hair. Bodily hair. Bodily hair. Did interview Daniel Peacock for the... Uh, I, don't feel like I'm shamelessly mentioning the podcast recently, but we did have him on. It was good, great to chat to him. And my regret is I didn't ask him enough about his appearance in this, but it was Only Fools and Horses related. So I Mental probably couldn't Mickey. dive into that. Mental Mickey plays this part amazingly, doesn't he? With such energy. He does. Fantastic. Um, Evidently, it was really cold as well. And he, he spent most of the time filming just he did really well, didn't no he? top on. Yeah. He did. Victor, this is the sort of character that makes puts Victor in a nervous disposition because Mr. Kazanzi is cool, laid back, quite a colourful hit character. Definitely the type that Victor finds difficult to take seriously. Greeks Victor in an upbeat manner, probably feeling a little bit guilty that he's basically taking the mic. He's more interested in the, the TV. So he's doing that thing that Onslow did in Keeping Up, is it Keeping Up Appearances where to change the channel, he'd slap the telly like twice for Channel 2 or something. It just reminded me of Onslow in the moment. Although Onzo yes. is definitely glued to his chair, not um, in a Yeah, he wouldn't get up for that, would he? He wouldn't get up for that. Yo! 
How's it hanging, Mr. Mildew? Okay. Sorry I didn't get very far yesterday. I had a slight problem with the dehydration. Had to let it breathe overnight, get some precipitation in your subsoil. And how is it this morning? Mild, mild, marvellous this morning. Yeah, look. Yielding, yielding straight away, that is. See for yourself. The lack of progress is is blamed on the fact that it's quite a lot of dehydration in the, the soil or something. He needs to allow the soil to breathe so you know he can dig deeper and cut down these these roots or whatever. Get some more precipitation in the subsoil, which I believe is just water in the soil. It's, it's a very uh, clever sentence to make yourself sound is. like you know what you're talking about you're and doing, to like yeah. sell it well that you know you know yeah I'm working hard. Let me tell you what's happening in a over overly complex manner which is like you said it's just a lack of water or too much water, whatever it is so you've rather cleverly hands picked to the shovel to get him to test the, the soil density or consistency or whatever whilst he's smoking a fag sort of in the foreground yes. and he catches the attention of pippa from next door all right love queen <laughs> is it a wonderful wicked morning or what Hello, how are you today? As ever, darling, with a song in my heart and a tongue in my ear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's hard work, digging down all that way with just a shovel. I tried it once with a pneumatic drill, but it kept giving me orgasms. Had to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so he's clearly, because he's been there for a few days, he's, they've obviously got to know one another. Hence, Pippa saying he's quite cute. So she, they, they, this interaction's happened more than once. And meanwhile, Victor's still digging. Mr. Kazanzi, he takes off his cap. He takes off his cap and he's even dictating what he should be doing and reminding him to get all the soil onto the... Uh, yeah, keep it on the plastic. Keep on the plastic. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's what makes Victor go, what the bloody hell am I doing? Is only because I think he would have sooner caught wind that he was being taken advantage of if he hadn't really been put by the fact there's a lot of heavy flirting. And we know what Victor's like around the topic of sex. Very old-fashioned, isn't he? And I think he just didn't know really where to put himself in the moment until he realised, God, they're flirting, I'm doing this, what the bloody hell am I doing? It, it is a, you know, he, he does sort of look quite quizzical as if to say, what, what am I doing here while you're doing that? It, I think it does um, you know, offend his sense of uh, propriety, having, you know, a half-naked man trying to, uh, you know, speak saucily to the neighbour over the garden fence so okay. uh, yeah it, it's very funny and he, the you have to give credit to the makeup department because that is one heck of a lot of That's hair going on there it is sort of stereotyping a rugged sort of working class grafter isn't it but it's funny it looks funny and it just works for the scene that's yes. set quite a funny lewd comment he makes about pneumatic drills giving him orgasms which i think that's the point victor sort of overheard that and was obviously looked quite appalled then realized yes. what the hell am i doing yeah it does seem odd i don't think you could probably get it i don't know if it offended anybody at the time but it probably would offend more people now i think than perhaps it did then as with yeah. another part of the storyline oh as well yeah was, i'm looking yeah. forward to <laughs> Well, I sort of am. Yeah. Well, Vic, when Victor heads back inside, I did notice that because... <gasps> did you notice the same thing as I did? Well, there's some backing music that is from One Foot Nail Garve. Is that what you're going to say? So Algarve well, is at the end of this series and they use... I mean, that's not exactly amazing. Um, it's not even a... It's not worth knowing, but I just realised that 
this bit of weird i can't describe the music they use in one foot in the grave it's just backing chimes almost and it's used in one foot in the algarve it's probably used throughout this series four to be fair what were you going to say well actually i was going to say about the uh, the piece of music coming from uh, one foot in the algarve right and also as he opens the door yeah. you can see that the inside of the house um the kitchen cupboards there's they're like two tall cupboards whereas on this on the set that's where the washing machine is so and there's also tiles there as well so you can see the difference oh, between see, what's yeah. obviously the official yeah. house yeah. and the set yeah but then you can't make too many changes and it's no it's only because i've watched it extensively to be such yeah. a spotter i love i love yes. little details like that absolutely love it as victor walks in we see one final shot of mr kazanzi whispering a sweet nothing it's probably not a sweet nothing it's probably a it's probably something lewd and yes (laughs) whatever it is pippa is loving it because she doesn't get any of this from patrick that's for sure Um, no she said that's absolutely disgusting while she's got a grin as wide as a cheshire cat (laughs) so victor comes back in uh goes to sit down and read his paper did you say you think he probably glanced at his fish to check that they're still alive um yeah just a quick glance yes just a quick glance now margaret walks back in or has she just come back from work? We don't see her. He he thought that she'd already gone, but That's it looked right. as if um, uh, uh, Mrs. Aylesbury's children um, bought him something back from Westwood Ho. Westwood Ho. As a present, yes. In Devon, yeah. It's lovely down there if you've ever been. Mrs. Aylesbury mentioned again. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a big, it's a, yeah, a large bin liner full of seaweed. Victor, probably a little ungrateful but like you say it's got like half the ocean bed in in this big plastic bag sarcastically said i've even got hands on lottie has Do yes you know? i had to google that i had to so that that's <laughs> it's an australian biologist and an underwater diving pioneer and lottie was an underwater diver and model so hands and lottie has i had no idea who they were again you like i said either. he can just go this is like so and so or i got such an you know he makes a, a cross reference with something historical or something in pop culture and usually i do have to look it up very good it obviously smells a bit as well because he just sort of goes Mm. towards the back door with it in his hands and it clearly doesn't smell very nice it's still quite thoughtful i mean it is it's for his fish tank isn't it so i thought that's quite good i mean it looks like a huge amount for his not it's not a huge fish tank he's got it's probably bigger than your average one a child would have but it Whatever he's got in that bag, he's not going to need all of it. I, don't, I wonder if he ever uses it, to be honest with you. I don't think so. Margaret heads off out, I assume, to work. Does she mention where she's going? Probably to the florists. She's got a work Probably, gear on, yeah. isn't she? Victor proceeds to go back out into his garden, presuming to get rid of the black bag of seaweed. And uh, this is the point we see an example of, another example of Mr. Gardner, if we call him, not only okay. skiving and not, uh, not only flirting, but... He's doing two. Showing off. He's showing off. He's doing two dangerous things here. The first one, he's balancing a a chainsaw on his nose. Quite see whether you you hear the noise of the chainsaw, but I can't actually see whether or not the blade is going. But either way, that looks to be quite a heavy piece of equipment to have balanced on your head. I suspect you know there's a bit of string above outer shot, which is connected, which is tied to a a bit of timber. I don't know balancing it but nevertheless they dangerous to say the least you know could kill him but he's impressing yes. some girls but they're not ladies they're not even really teenagers of age they are clearly school girls school girls um, yes 
And that giggly, I mean, if we didn't see him heavily flirting with Pippa and being a bit sexual with it, if he was just larking about, it, I don't think it'd be so bad. Because if that was just the first shot of him, I'd just say, well, it's a bit weird. But because we know he's a little bit filthy in that regard, yes. it's, it's a bit, it does raise, especially today, like, I, I, I imagine that scene cut now, but um, it's still kind of... It raises of... questions that perhaps weren't sort of raised at the it yeah. I'm you know I'm sure that um you know all of the people who were complaining they were complaining more about the dead cat in the freezer and the and the t- mm. and the tortoise which, rather than than things like this which yeah. it was it was of its age definitely unfortunately it's um yeah but it it does make you pause for a bit of a think certainly I mean if this is the same day as we saw him previously he has mm-hmm. made a lot of progress because there's a shed load of to- uh, soil on the sheet and that hole is definitely deeper and the television's gone. So yep. I think it's bucked his ideas of, and you can see the electric cable for the telly and shot or for whatever he's got plugged in. So that answers your prior question. I think Yes. not that it matters, but I thought it's still valid because it is a telly. It wasn't a battery power. Was it? He does have a look, a look of guilt on his face and he heads straight back to work. I guess the funny part of that scene, even in now, is it's just it's anything that annoys Victor is funny because yes. it's just Richard Wilson's great with his facial responses. It just looks funny. Superb. Yeah, it's great. Superb. Yeah. Very he funny can thing. he can actually convey um, a, such a wide range of emotions just with the way he looks and the way his eyes are or what his mouth does. So yes, uh, yeah, in- incredible, fantastic. All this does though is build up in Victor's mind that this gardener guy is just too sexual for his liking he's too he's just not gaining any kind of trust from Victor so Victor heads back in it's established that it's quarter to bloody one (laughs) ring for god's sake can't you and I quite like very simple ring for god's sake when you're just waiting for that phone call um it's it's hideous quite a funny little sharp outburst but yeah he's got about 50 minutes to the deadline passes to be offered this this job it's hideous waiting to know if you've we've all been there waiting for that phone call mm. it's a horrible little wait especially if you're not in work and you and the pressure's on i mean he's probably put all sorts of pressure on his shoulders to get back out there and work i've been there it's horrible i think it's renwick's p- picked up on that everyday detail that when we're sort of not really doing much with ourselves at home and we head off into a room or go upstairs we don't quite know why or where we're going which, which is what Victor does. That that comes with age, unfortunately. It's something that, uh, take it from one who knows, I often get to the top of the stairs, think, what have I come up here for? You have to go back downstairs, stand where you were, look around, and then remember what you were going up for. I can it's honestly just... say that's happened to me since I was a child. So, And I remember people my age saying that. So I don't think it's a so-called <laughs> old person's thing. You don't think it's an age-related thing? Not oh, that, that gives me some crumb of comfort. Honestly, I can assure you that it happens not daily to me, but an awful lot. What else can you do then, other than go to the toilet whilst you're there, which he does? Um, nice avocado bathroom suite. Very much of its time. <laughs> very much of its time. So we're sort of on the landing, seeing him in pee, and, and the, the telephone, of course, is ringing. It's, it's bound to do. I think he, whether he could have held on for 15 more minutes, I think he'd just given up at that point. I think if we, when we're waiting for, a, say, a delivery between x time and x time if it's five ten minutes to go i think we assume it's not going to arrive but he makes i often wondered whether or not he could just have taken the phone upstairs with him because it was a portable phone yeah but 
I know some of them didn't work particularly well upstairs because Signal. they had to be close to the base station. Yeah. Yeah. So I, maybe that's what it was, but it was still a very funny. And also, I think I don't just don't think it's that way inclined with maybe technology. Like everyone carries, well, not everyone. Many people carry the phone or whatever they've got. But I don't think people carry their house phone around with them even now. Actually, do you know you're probably right. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. Well, anyway, of course, it's not. Um, it's not the job outcome is it mrs warboys or margaret calling no i i think it's it's margaret i think it's um we've all been in situations where the phone has rang and you're somewhere that's a long way away and, and you're thinking just hang on a minute i'm coming i'm coming so yeah. you're talking as if the phone can hear you yeah and he gets all the way downstairs picks it up and you just see his shoulders go like oh no they haven't phoned so I, there's an assumption that it's margaret I've, I've never thought it was anybody other than margaret to be fair because she true. did say that she might phone him later true yeah i mean i don't know how much later it is from when he last saw her but it feels like she hasn't really given that much of a chance to at least wait for the telephone call because in our world she only left a couple of minutes ago but there you go yeah um the next bit that part that happens this moment now is quite widely circulated on the internet like gifts or or if you get people send it to me i send it to them over the years it's definitely one of the most funniest laugh out loud moments of just silliness where the phone rings again and it were it had to be a portable phone because it this joke wouldn't work but of course it wouldn't it's... have worked yeah <sighs> four two nine one <laughs> Yes, thank you very much. Uh, three o'clock. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> well, who would have thought it? Get your bloody nose out of that bread bin. <laughs> Just a masterpiece, isn't it, really? Of, I don't know if you can call it slapstick. It never ceases to amaze me because he must have, have rehearsed that more than once. Yeah. But he's the shock on his face was such that you would never, ever think that he had planned that. I, I did wonder whether or not there was maybe somebody behind the chair putting the dog that. forward. He, because, he grabbed um, it perfectly, didn't he? Like, I, yes. In, in the moment, I was thinking, poor little doggy, like Richard Wilson's massive hand sort of grabbing his little torso. It's only just a few seconds and, and it's just brought much joy to the viewer because that is just brilliant i don't know what else i can say to that it's just marvelous my mum still says the telephone number when she picks up the phone <laughs> can you believe that after all these years she will still my uh, my mum and my dad do exactly the same thing do they? they don't live together anymore but they both say the telephone number when they pick up That's the phone cute. how old-fashioned is that i have um an uncle and aunt friend of the family they've been they've known me for all my life who I call Uncle Auntie. They're not my Uncle Auntie, but they do the same. It's just the four digits of a six-digit telephone. Is that because the first two are the same in that area, do you think? So it's something, something, 4291. I think that's... I mean, um, many, many years ago, you didn't have to put the area code in if you were living in the locality. You just put in like a six-digit number. So you, you, I think you just often said just the last four, maybe. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's... Um, it's definitely something that even now makes me smile because my mum still does it. When I phone her on a Sunday, she'll still say the telephone numbers I pick it up. I think she's even got call mind. I don't even think she she doesn't know it's me, but uh, it's just, uh, I think that's just a really sweet thing. But 
yeah that's um it, looking on um youtube you can see so many clips of yeah. victor picking up the dog it's brilliant it's, it's just a brilliant and never i never tire of it never but i still don't think that doesn't get we every comedy has got that scene which is replayed in top 10 moments top 20 moments it doesn't get any kind of credit you'll get dale falling through the bar chandelier scene basil faulty doing the nazi mark of the office you get david brent in the dance but you don't get many one from the grave callbacks to my knowledge and this is a great one it's just it's silly it's not vital to the storyline but of course the dog is there because patrick has lost denzel he's that's this is, i think this is where we learn that his name's denzel because he calls out his name mm-hmm. he's sort of around the back alley and he gets distracted by the mr kazanzi using the chainsaw you can see like bits of debris going everywhere patrick's sort of it's quite curious to see what's going on with that i think he's probably paranoid his his side of the garden is going to get ruined mm-hmm. then then we're taken straight back into their kitchen it was a very close-up shot of pippa cutting up a like a salami like a sausage yeah my ocd didn't it was too jagged for my that would not, make, so that would not have made a good sandwich it was i think you wouldn't be the only one there i've, I've always thought that that could have been a lot neater come on pippa i don't want barely a knife was used for that but i think it's just uh is she a sexually frustrated woman probably is she just hating on patrick one could read into that very brief close-up yeah it's, it's an odd uh, sandwich choice let's put it that way yes maybe yes. there was something in there that uh, yes yeah i've never thought about that before if i ever have, have sausages it's never that kind of stuff you buy in a glass jar you know um hot dogs fake are horrible not for me sorry you do get else? to see a um just a little bit of um a sort of pan around the garden so you see the washing line i always wondered whether or not um Pippa had put out different washing or if it was because she was putting out the uh, shirt when uh, Mr. Kazansky looked over the fence and this yeah. time it's got towels on but that's uh, neither here nor there. I'm surprised. You just get a little uh, thing of, of the garden just to see the garden chair. I'm, sp- I'm surprised she didn't put her knickers out just to entice Mr. Gardner but there you go. <laughs> Patrick looks before he does go back into the kitchen he does like look back with curiosity. Do you he think does. he's thinking I hope my dog's not under in that hole where it's being chainsawed uh, no, i never thought that it, mm. i was thinking is he thinking the worst in the moment but he doesn't seem he seems to get over it and i didn't know you could i use think he chains- probably just thinks that's that's some hairy man that my wife finds more attractive than me <laughs> maybe <laughs> um it's very it's quite a lazy way of digging a hole isn't it using a oh no he's oh, he's cutting off the roots isn't he of he's, course he's cutting off the roots yeah. yeah i was thinking oh he's just trying to cut corners now but yeah he's literally cutting off the uh the roots just going back to the last one just the look on victor's face when they said that he'd got the job was just it was it was so mm. lovely it, it was almost as if he was thinking oh thank the lord that something positive has, has come out so just that he kind of sort of uh yeah rubs his hands together in glee and i just we, thought that yeah. was a really nice thing I, just realized i completely missed that moment yeah he once he because we focus so much well i focus so much on the dog yeah he of course got offered the job which is fantastic yeah it mm-hmm. was very, a very sweet reaction from victor but still funny and when he when he jets off into the kitchen he get your bloody head out that bread, that bread bin, bin. Knows, that's it. now either the bread bin's on the, on floor. the floor or he's somehow climbed up <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which that doesn't quite know, add up yeah but that's fine. We can yeah. we can manage that. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, very he's very much delighted. I assume it's the next day. It must be the next day. Is he reading a magazine there or something? Is he making a quick Yeah, he's about... reading um 
You magazine, which used to be free with the Daily Mail. Daily Mail. I remember that because my mum used yes. to buy that. Yeah. And I used to always look for the TV. It's not a TV Times, but that used to come with it. So I used to look forward to the Daily Mail purchase just to see what was on the telly. So yeah, the very next day, uh, Victor's got uh, his day paper again. Goes mm-hmm. to sit down. Well, he, he looks he, at the cooker, doesn't he? He, he sees the that there's some pan. Yeah. frying pan. Yes. Yeah, and he glances at his fish tank. Uh, goes to sit down. Margaret then continues to sort of cook and sort of calls out if you know that she's done some mushrooms and basically, do you want mushrooms? I think she asks if, if he wants it. But before he can even answer, who do we see walk in the living room in his dressing gown? But Mr. Kazanzi. If it couldn't that get any worse, that must be Victor's dressing gown. Yes, I can only assume it's Victor's dressing gown. I, I that, can't believe. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't believe it. Like, yeah, I don't know where Victor's been all morning to not know that he's popped in, showered, and he's about to set the table and be eat, eat a slap up, cook breakfast. Maybe he's the news it. agents was a long way away. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> Maybe it was yeah. a long walk. Yes, I expect so. That's, I can't think of. Uh, but he's had, he's had a bath, hasn't he? And he's Victor said, you know, we've got a seaside guest house now. He's not best pleased purely because he knows what he's like so far. I yes. don't think Victor for one minute is jealous or insecure like Patrick might be. I think he's just like, I'm paying you by the day, mate. Like, when are you going to finish this, uh, digging this hole? Yeah, if you spent less time flirting and more time working, you get a little bit more done. Yes. Yeah, Mr. Kazanzi openly flirting in front of uh, Victor with his wife. Well, he mentions that he's had to open up a, a different <laughs> can of talc because he's allergic to the Sainsbury's and basically hitches his dressing gown to you know, show his top thigh and, and there's margaret giving it a stroke saying literally yes, you can see yeah. how dry that is mm. um victor kind of <laughs> victor once he's had his say and said you know you're going to get this car he's he's apparently it's going to be finished by lunch so i think that's just about got him got the gardener over the line just to get through breakfast and Victor sort of yes. lets it go almost doesn't he there's a letter through the door yeah I've, yeah, I've let- often wondered what was actually on the envelope whether or not it was just um to the gardener or number that's it you know 19 or whatever it never really comes to you know because it's it's not a sealed envelope it's clearly open so yeah. it's Victor a pair just of, kind of opens it yeah it's a pair of white boxes with a big kiss lipstick kiss like planted yes. right in the center with the letter it's from i don't know if it's from atina marilyn and trish is mentioned and i don't know if it's those school girls but he is loving there's it. this there's an expectation that it's those school mm. girls because he does say you know school girls what would you do with well, them hey? well yeah so <laughs> if it's not yes. those school girls it's other school girls that walk by apparently the back alley where they live on a daily basis. Sealed with a loving kiss from Tina, Marilyn and Trish. You can come round and get dirty in our garden any time. You can come round and get dirty. Oh, I don't know. Schoolgirls, what would you do with them? I know, I'll send him a 12-inch ruler as a measure of my affections. <laughs> yes, well, thank you very much indeed. When I want to have breakfast at Hale and Pace, I'll let you know. You're still here. Margaret, yeah, still loving it. She doesn't bat an eyelid, does she? She's quite Ma- Maybe she quite likes the uh, flirtatious side of it oh, as well. Oh, definitely. But, uh, I mean, yes. that's what Patrick... Sorry, that's what Mar- uh, Margaret and Pippa have got in common, that their husbands don't really give them that kind of attention. Both Margaret and Pippa are mostly miserable and have to deal with their miserable husbands. It rubs off on each other. So 
yeah it's a it's a breath yeah. of fresh air for margaret even if that kind of though this gardener what he's done is obviously wrong and and the bizarre thing about introducing these teenage girls as being that flirted with this gardener it's not like a message has been delivered by in the story they're just girls flirting. they're not a key part to the story like a moral key part it's just some girls that he's flirted with i don't yeah. know um, it's just know, on the on the outskirts really isn't it because te- i mean teenagers boys and girls we've all had our crushes on much older people whether they've been in the pop culture or someone you know of but mm-hmm. the, usually the adult doesn't do the flirting back they usually just sort of take it on the chin and not really pay attention but this guy is paying paying attention to it acting on it not acting on it that's that's making accusations now but he's loving it and he's yeah he, he, just, he likes it unless yes. he's just that is just his humor and it might be a bit dodgy but crossing a crossing line with his humor i don't know innocent until proven guilty <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah i mean there, there isn't any sort of suggestion of of anything kind of he just looks as if he's just a hairy flirty work uh, yeah. gardener yeah hairy flirty gardener there you go yeah what's the hail and pace reference that victor says i know hail and um, pace there's the uh, sketch show that's right it, um it was gareth hale and norman pace um they did a sketch show for yeah. 10 years which was um kind of i think it was late 80s maybe to to late 90s i meant um, more, more in the context of why did victor say it because he Again, he. Uses I think it's that. just because it's um, it's more like um, you know between um, uh, Mr. Gardner and and yeah. Margaret the kind of um, the the flirtations between them. It was a bit like having a sketch show on mm. the breakfast table. That's yeah, kind of how I thought yeah. of it. No, that's yeah. I was just making sure I covered all bases there because mm. I think that's um. So Victor's actually starts his job that day doesn't he so he's he's reminded he has to go to the bank first before he goes to starts a new job at three o'clock yeah there's a bit more giggling and flirting scene ends we're now same day one can only assume patrick's in his garden on his sort of swinging summer chair that doesn't seem to be a thing anymore but i used to have one we used to have one very nice yeah doing a bit of too bit of work i assume he's got Mm -hmm. his briefcase open trying to relax of course he can't relax because the chainsaw noise goes off again so very much spoiled his uh the atmos denzel the dog has obviously been recovered again because he no he hasn't been recovered we see the dog separate separate to this in the back alleys sniffing around this black bin liner full of seaweed which is now open so i think he's probably taken it from the because he first of all he put it in the garden by the wheelie bin i'm wondering if he's taken the wheelie bin outside and taken the black bag with him, and it's obviously been opened. Yeah. There's just seaweed strewn everywhere. Denzel's having a little explore. He's having a little explore. By now, Patrick's fallen asleep somehow, despite the noise, and we get a very cute point of view shot of little Denzel running into his daddy's garden, <laughs> leaps up to, onto the chair. Patrick momentarily wakes up, but he falls back asleep, and little Little Denzel's got a live, this is definitely a live crab. This is a real crab. Denzel sort of goes out of shot now. And we just see this crab right in the sort of inner crotch of Patrick of uh, Angustine's thighs. heading off his shorts. I, I did always wonder how they managed to get that shot to look quite as realistic as it did because you can't really tell a crab where to go. Is it, so, sl- is, it sl- is that slow motion when the crab is making its way? Because they obviously have to yes. stop it really quickly but they didn't yeah. stop it too too quickly so it the audience can see it i think it yeah. just gave the impression of 
um, the crab is heading somewhere that you wouldn't want it to, but yeah. probably didn't want to go any, uh, any right. further than that. Yeah. I did yeah. notice there's a telephone on the grass. Oh. An old-fashioned telephone and what looks like um, old-fashioned printer paper, which you may not remember, but when I started working in an office, you had the little uh, printer paper with a little... Uh, little holes down the side I, i'm not that, that young uh, that honestly i'm not that young <laughs> i mean i was young when all that but i can remember acorn computers and the way print the printer sound yeah that prints I, I don't want to mimic it but you know what i mean and it, it wasn't ink ink it was like a laser ink it was very it was mm. dried i can't there's obviously a term for it i don't know but i know what you mean but yes. yeah, very of its time. That was nice to see, actually. I haven't seen uh, paper with uh, with little holes on the side of it for many years, so that was very nice. Yeah. I like how the that comedy music sort of comes to a stop when, just as the scene ends, because mm -hmm. we, we assume it's about to obviously go into the nether region, the music comically stops like a, it's a crescendo, like almost like a reveal, but then it, we don't see what happens because you would think there would be a big screen we we see Victor in the kitchen, suited and booted. He hasn't been to his job as yet. I think he's, he's, he's just coming back from the, seeing the bank manager, isn't he? Yeah. What what was the purpose of that bank visit? Was you know, it mentioned? I don't know because uh, it was never mentioned. But um, you know, you I'm I'm guessing maybe in the nineties you did often go in and see your bank yeah. manager about various things. You can't I, get an appointment for love nor money now. I guess for storytelling, it's just so he he'd leave and then come back and discover yes. what we now discover which is the gardener. He's not put himself in good light at all throughout this episode. And now we see him sort of struggling to take off a young lady's jeans. She's a little bit giggly. I mean, what is this? A hostel for sex maniacs? I mean, why didn't you tell me? Had a, had a contraceptive machine put in the downstairs toilet? <laughs> calm down, yeah, calm down. Oh, I'll out with you. Will he pick you up? Dial a nympho. Get a first watched this i thought what victor thought he's up to his old tricks again if i had a grown-up daughter i probably wouldn't get that involved in trying to take her trousers off but we do learn it's his daughter yes um but victor is just flies off the handle and initially I'm guessing you probably do that if you came in and saw someone who was openly flirting with everybody all and sundry and then he's got sort of some youngish lass yeah. on the sofa with trousers you just think that as, you know you can see what why he thought what he thought yes i mean you know He's definitely had enough. What with him being the guy, you know, he's often working topless, which has probably put Victor in a nervous disposition, flirting with the neighbours, showing off to the schoolgirls, so flirting with his own wife, the bed and breakfast thing, now to seeing uh, well, the, the underwear boxes that are posted. Now he's seeing this same guy seemingly apparently trying to get off with this lady on his sofa when he should be working. He's being paid by the day. Um, Victor yeah, flies off the handle. I think he refers to the situation as a hospital for sex maniacs, which is where it starts to get under Mr. Gardner's nose because he kind of asks Victor to calm down. And when Victor goes in for the kill, as in grabs his daughter, because she's calling out dad, Victor sort of does that. He wants to throw her out of his house. So, of course, mm. as soon as he's, she's been manhandled by Victor, that completely sets off Mr. Gardner, doesn't it? Like a 
fuse has been lit. Well, his fuse is very short, should I say, because he flies off the handle back at Victor. Victor's or pr- probably been confronted throughout his life for any anything he's challenged, but we we don't always see it. I know we saw it in um, Dramatic Fever where we didn't the see him being attacked, but yeah, the pipe ran ahead. But we actually see him being attacked. As much as I felt sorry for Victor because he looks utterly helpless, it yes. does. It is funny because the way the way he's restraining Victor. He's like he's got his arms like behind his he's head. Got him in a headlock almost, doesn't he? Almost it? like yes. a yeah headlock from behind, and then demanding his daughter opens the back door, and then the way he like the cameras just stays still and in, from the, in the kitchen from that point of view, and he he sort of like runs out with Victor, and Victor sort of is like running sideways like a crab. Ironically, that's what I thought. It looked like a crab. It's yeah, like, that actually. I, I had, yes, that's a very good point actually. And the. <laughs> The noise that Richard Wilson makes, like he's just like <laughs> gasping for breath, and that's like that's like the last we we'll see of um, the gardener and his daughter. Yes. Um, for a little while, Victor. I thought that it was when he first grabbed Victor from round the neck when they were in the hall, and you kind of hear him go "ow ow," and that <laughs> that seemed to be a funny. I, I'm presuming that had been put on later. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's something that, um, you know, just, just hearing those two words can instantly oh, transform yeah. me, just this particular episode. But he, it, I did feel quite sorry for, for Victor, actually, because I'm presuming that uh, uh, Mr. Gardner probably had him quite strongly around the neck. Well, yeah. But, I, uh, yes. I, I, Daniel Peacock's gone full mental Mickey by now, hasn't he? You he can has, imagine mental yes. Mickey treating his bandmates like this. But Victor is not in the wrong at all okay like this guy is it's his daughter i guess if you know if my child was manhandled by essentially a stranger i would certainly react somehow but mm. overall that's victor's house and he doesn't have to have strangers in there like half naked i guess victor could have would been picky he didn't have to grab her by the arm by the elbow i guess he's old-fashioned in nature all he had to do is just demand that she leaves but He'd had, he'd had enough by this point. He might be just be worked up because he's got a new job to go to and he's a little bit nervous. But um, Where would the comedic value be in that, hey? If he just said, out you go and she went, hey? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's great storytelling at the end of the it day. Is. So Well executed, I think. Exit from the kitchen. Also, Richard Wilson's legs are so long. He just looks so awkward. He does, it not, yes. It might not have been a fu- as funny if it was a shorter actor. Just a just a very small bit of background. I think originally when David Renwick was looking at uh, who would play uh, Mr Gardner, he was thinking of either Robbie Coltrane or Rick Mayle, of all oh, people. Yeah, yeah, I was going to talk about it. Yeah, Rick, yeah. I think it obviously worked really well with Daniel Peacock, but Rick Mayle certainly with the flirting side of things. Yes. Rick Mel being like how he is in Blackadder. Flash art, Flash art, yeah. Yes. As flash I art, think, yes. I, you'd use elements of flash art in a way. Not so theatrical style, but yeah. Mm. But it worked I think it perfectly. did, it was, I was going to say, it worked perfectly for, for what it was. It's yeah. um, very, yeah. very well cast, yes. I assume this is later on in the day now, or it must be, it certainly is later on in the day. I, Margaret's back from work, and there's a letter on the table from the garden. She reads out loud for the for our benefit. The hole's been filled. Hope it's to your satisfaction. It certainly is to mine. It's mine. I know she's read it out loud for us, but do you read stuff out, out loud if you're on your own? Obviously, we don't. But yeah, I'm, would... I'm guessing it was just um, it. Uh, it may not have worked had she because otherwise he wouldn't she probably wouldn't have gone out to have a look True. so uh, I'm, I'm guessing just by leaving the the note it just made more sense for us to to hear what he was saying just yes. so that it um then takes us on to the next very funny scene 
there's been a, a couple of great moments in this in this episode with the armchair thing but i probably need to go back a bit and say actually this is one foot in the graves falling through the bar moment probably when i first watched this i mean never laughed so much at uh, i've laughed at many different scenes in different comedies but this is right up there very creative must have been a tricky one to choreograph but Poor old Victor has been buried up to his neck in the earth, the ground, as a consequence of challenging this the gardener's daughter. Very harsh, very funny. What I found amusing was he's he's obviously been there for hours that he can barely focus on what's in front of him because he he sort of says, Margaret, is that is that you? Like how long has he been there to not quite adjust his eyesight to see who's and Margaret as well is I guess it's the last thing she imagined. So she can't really focus on what 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 what's yeah, this is so surreal. Like, what? What's How going would on? you ever put that into a thought that you may have that you come back and find your husband's yeah. been buried up to his neck in the garden? Exactly, exactly. I, I always thought he was, uh, and until I've read the the book and found out a bit more information, for some reason I always thought that he'd been buried straight down. Yeah, well, I think that's the impression we're supposed to have. But he's in a a big tub, he's isn't in a, he? Yeah, he's in a in a box, which you which you box. see. But I I naturally assumed that it was not a real garden. I just presumed that uh, there was just some very good set design, um, and that he was just standing up. So it was quite a surprise to see that uh, poor Richard Wilson spent many a happy hour in a box underneath mm. the load of soil in the cold. When Margaret asked what you're doing, wallpaper in the spare room, you know, <laughs> that's. Great little comeback. How you can still have a sense of humour when you've probably been up to your neck yeah. in cold soil for two hours, I don't know. I mean, he's instantly on the defensive because he doesn't want Margaret to think this is his doing. And he does re- mm. he does recount the brief story of, of what happens in the midst he of him. He says it wasn't his fault. Half naked for you, do mean his daughter? She dropped by to give him a hand just after you'd left. I said they could both use the bathroom to clear up when they'd finished. What he really wants is, is his nose blown because I guess he's been there for hours, it's a bit itchy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, that's the, all that matters in the moment. What, what can we do? Like, Victor says, we're well, just going to have to get a shovel. We hear, or Margaret hears, Patrick and Pippa sort of coming around the back. A lot of the, lot of activity in the back alleys, isn't it, this episode? Mm-hmm. Yes. But he's, he's obviously been, he being Patrick, has visited A&E, by all accounts, limping with the aid of Pippa, because clearly... Mr. Crab has done the damage that we all feared. They've actually gone out of the way to come round to see Victor Margaret, probably just to say, look what you've done. And this causes understandable panic to Victor because this is the last thing he wants Patrick to have on him. Oh, it's Patrick and Pippa. I'll get them to give me a hand. Don't you bloody dare. <laughs> Let him see me like this. I'd never live it down. I think Margaret wants to enlist their help to try and dig him up, and he's just so embarrassed. He's thinking, no, no, anything but that, just no. I love his response. Don't you bloody dare. Let him (laughs) see me like this. At every point, I totally totally get it. The scene switches quickly because when Patrick and Pippa do come in, the plant pot is perfectly covering Victor's head. And they almost get away with it, really, don't they? I think Margaret's taken the brunt of what's happened to him. Been out somewhere? Um, yes, just up to the hospital, you know, to have a hermit crab surgically removed from my testicles. <laughs> yeah, he's had a, the crab surgically removed from his testicles, and he says it in quite a dry, sarcastic way. Everything's fine, you know. Was it fastened to his scrotum like a bulldog clip? He it's just, just forgot bad, to like... put some uh, cream on his on his uh, on his bits, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on his bits, yes. I mean, yeah, he applied the sunscreen, but not to there. Crab again, repellent. Yeah, <laughs> it's not Victor's <laughs> fault. This, I mean, 
one could argue he could have tied the bag up and put it in an actual bin, but he didn't know there was crabs and other sea life. Well, I guess you should anticipate that could be, there could be in there, but he still didn't know that his dog... I mean, it's Patrick's fault for the dog escaping. So, you know, one could point the blame at Patrick, nevertheless. But when, when Patrick does sort of recount what's happened, he sort of sternly asks how Victor's doing with his exotic marine wildlife. And I think Margaret He's only is... got fish. He hasn't got, uh, you know, he hasn't got yeah. an aquarium. <laughs> I know. He's just been... He hasn't got stuff. sharks or anything. But on the back of that, I think Margaret is saved by the bell, if, if you could say that, because it gives a perfect time to leave. The cover is blown at this point blown being the operative word i thought this was a bit of a shame they had to reveal so victor sneezes essentially yes out a very loud sneeze which is enough for patrick and pivot to sort of step back and go did that come from where, where did I that think come from mm-hmm. yeah i didn't think they needed to reveal victor's head but of course you do also need, i guess on the other hand you do need to see that awkward interaction and victor awkwardly smiling if you feel sorry for him but it's just so funny. He didn't need to sneeze. It's such like, I don't want to say that bit of writing is weak, but I wish there was another way they discovered it rather than him sneezing. But I don't know. I can't really come up with an alternative. So maybe I should just shut up. I'm, I'm guessing to, to be able to have the that particular um, scene to work as it was, it had to be obvious that he was going to get found. If nothing else, just for the pure embarrassment factor. Yeah. Um, and obviously because... He said to Margaret, can you blow my nose? I think I'm going to sneeze. It was almost kind of set up, but um, it was just um, just so cleverly done. And his yeah. face is so expressive. I, I was thinking that he hadn't picked up the flower pot quite enough. You imagine it might have like clogged him on the back of the head. But um, I think that was probably more to do with the camera angle than uh, than anything else. Because you yeah. probably had to lift it off quite a long way. Did you read that bit in the book? Because that was referenced, wasn't it? About it was, how the yeah. angle didn't look quite. But I think it, I just come up. I come up with a, an alternative to that scene. Rather than him sneezing, I'd have mm-hmm. found it just as funny if Patrick, knowing what he knows of, of um, Victor, just lifted up the, the pot on a whim because he knows that anything goes with Victor. Anything's possible. But obviously, the audience fans would go, why would he do that? Like, that's just so random. But I don't know. I don't want to pick it apart well, it, too much because it's still funny. It is random, but that, you know, Patrick does have a few uh, um, areas of randomness in his life. So it's not, uh, exactly. it's not completely with, yeah. past the realms of reality, is it? But mm. uh, yes, it's, it is very funny. Margaret's gone inside to answer the telephone and she, she comes back in. She's looking quite morbid. She's obviously received some bad news. And Victor's sort of doing his rant. He's doing a Meldry moan. Understandably, he's completely embarrassed. He's so livid that he's been put in that situation. He cuts himself short because he does realise quickly something's up here. What is it now? Who's that? It's Mrs Reynolds, who lives next door to Mum. Said she went round there this afternoon with her pension and found her dead in the armchair. Said they reckoned she'd been like that for five days, just sitting there with her knitting in her lap. Telephone answering machine had been left on since Monday. And this is where Wolf yes. in the Grave really gets you. Not only does it go from laugh out loud moments to sort of morbid moments, it's it's quite a clever 
twist in a way like what we discover she's come to say that um she's just received a phone call from her mum's neighbor to say that she's found her dead in the chair and that she's uh they reckon that she'd been there for five days which it, if you think about when she left the message on the answer phone meant that she'd phoned when her mum was already dead which is and I, so I dark and just it? found that yeah it was um i mean it's it's not past the realms of reason as to to that happening in real life and i think exactly. that's probably why it affects you because you you understand that that does happen when you don't see relatives from one week to the next and yeah. suddenly this happens it brings yeah. it home it's there's no you know there's no comedy to it it's just it's extremely sad yeah um and you know both of i thought that you know the way victor obviously if he wasn't up to his neck in a hole obviously that he probably would have have given her a hug and mm, you know absolutely. said are you okay but it was the acting from the two of them is quite oh, exceptional yeah did i read that annette crossley's mum in real life had passed away at the same sort of time um did there she... was a in the book it references that once she'd done the scene i, I think it's probably been done obviously yeah. more than once yeah but on the on the last time it, david who's obviously there for for all of the the shooting the filming um, went in and she was visibly upset and he gave yeah. her a, a hug and then she burst into tears. Yes. So I, I don't know whether or not that coincided with anything that happened in her real life, but it must bring it home that sometimes that does happen. Mm. And, and I think that's where David's writing is so, so spot on for oh, that has happened to people. So it's, yes. yeah. Yeah. I mean, very sad. The fact that that first telephone call, Amber then to her, her mum had already, already passed away. We'll we'll talk more about the actual. They sort of revisit that message in a moment, but um, mm. yeah, they were from my cal- very basic calculation. They think on the Wednesday she rang. They were going to be up on the Sunday, four or five days later. I think they would. Mm. If this is a Saturday, they were due to visit the next day because she'd been dead. I think for f- at least five days was it? Yeah, said so the answer phone Saturday. had been switched on on the Monday, and they reckon she'd been dead for five days. Yeah, on the Wednesday she they. She called on a Wednesday to visit on a Sunday. Mm. Um, so they were due to go. Well, yeah, I don't know why this yeah, matters, it, but I'm just curious to know what day it is in their world as they speak. I guess it's well, there's it's part Friday. of me that thought it was probably a Friday because that's his day that he would have started at the Herald, and that's probably one of mm. the busier days for a newspaper. Yeah. There's yeah. There isn't really any particular um, indication of what day no. it is. There's just an expectation that it's probably Friday. Yeah. Is that, well, it's either Friday or Saturday. If, it's, if she'd been done for five full days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and they're due to go the next day. Anyway, it, it's the fact mm. is, it's just it's sad news, and it suddenly brings you down. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be a sitcom, but actually, this is where One in the Grave is in a different league to other casual sitcoms out there. Like it's the same with Fools and Horses. You get those moments where you're brought down back down to earth, and it's not just all laugh out loud matters but even though this is a sad scene it is still funny because victor's trying to take this information in seriously whilst buried (laughs) underground and margaret is talking you know it's just it's such a bizarre visual isn't it but you you um, probably wouldn't if you were if you were writing it you probably wouldn't put the two together because you you would want victor to be there to to give his wife some comfort um you know to give her a hug but the way he was the way his face portrays her sadness and his sadness was was something really quite mm. you know remarkable for um 
yeah. for, for the writing and the actors. I think it's, it's yeah. fantastic. Really one of the well best done. scenes of the whole series so far definitely brilliant um mm. marvelous we spoke about that scene with the you know picking up the dog for mistake for a telephone but this was this whole scene was pretty special that would win awards now if that was aired today but obviously one point in the grave isn't short of its awards but for that scene scene alone brilliant i mean I, i've watched them i've watched this particular one a couple of times when i mm. knew that i was coming on to talk about it and yeah um having not seen them for for quite some time you you realize just how um how good the acting and the writing is and how really ahead of its time that it was you know for dealing with things that weren't suburban um and just giving you an indication of the fact that life is not perfect mm. and i think that's um you know it was um it, it was exceptional tv it really Brilliant. was and yeah. you, you never get tired of watching it so it's marvellous. Yeah, that's a nice monologue from you there. That's really good. Thank you. That's, that's a really good way to describe it. Final scene in the Meldrews living room. Stuff in boxes and yeah. um, Margaret doesn't seem, she looks as if she's got past the shock of it and is just dealing with it um, practically yeah. as you do, yes. you know, when you think of things that you've got to do. Um, but yeah. She she plugs in the, it's acknowledged they've kept a few of her possessions, mm-hmm. including the Atmosphere message, which immediately plays... We might as well keep this. You can always switch it on when you go to the loo. Hello? Margaret, this is your mum speaking. I'm sorry if I'm not here now, but that's because I'm somewhere else. I say I'm somewhere else. But I expect you'll both be up here soon, won't you? The pair of you. So I'll see you then. Hello? Well, that's cheered me up no end, I must say. <laughs> You're right. Yes, I'll just go through that tomorrow, I think. Follow up what we said about the timing of listening to this message is so clever, cause, and it was so dark and eerie. I remember feeling, feeling quite spooked out watching, especially as a young, young lad, but that, this is where they learn that actually it's not just the, the timing of the, of the voicemail, it's the words used by Margaret's mum, sorry I'm not here now, which is true. Because yes. I'm somewhere else, well, heaven or wherever you, whatever you believe in. Um, I expect you'll be up here soon, won't you? Which is. And did you see Victor looks yeah. just skywards looks for a second? Skywards, yeah. And because... it, yeah, that's quite something because you normally you, you wouldn't, you know, you just gloss across it, but the way he looks upwards as if to say, you know, I'm I'm coming. This is it. Very sad. Very it's sad. Very sad. Very clever. Still managed to adding a laugh because of Victor's sort of face squirming at mm. as he looks at the sky. I think the voicemail ended with a fairly long beat, reminding me of if you're on a life support machine and the beat goes off, you die. Well, you're, 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 your heartbeat's gone. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was done on purpose. I know Atmosy messages have beeps at the end, but I don't know if it was done on purpose or not, or it's fluke that there was a beep at the end, like to say, passed away. Do you know, I'd never thought about that. That's actually quite an interesting... uh, Well, it's, um, as we probably know with with the writing, there's everything has a reason. Mm. Um, It probably was done for, you know, even just for for that sort of one small scene. So that's quite an interesting take on it, actually. I hadn't thought about it like that. I will do now. No, yeah. (laughs) Do do you think the voicemail recording left by her mum was an old message that she intended to leave... Margaret, or was it a, a recent one? 
I guess it was a new answering machine, probably was a very recent one. I just wonder if that's every time someone calls that, that was always the answer machine message you'll get going back however many weeks. But I think Margaret I think it says it's quite was. a new one. Yeah, she says it's quite a new one. And, and you know, obviously Margaret's mum was of an age where mm. this was technology that she wasn't used to. That's yeah. probably why she sounded a bit confused when she yeah. was leaving the message. So I, I'm guessing that's probably the one that it's always been. Yeah. Clearly Margaret had heard it before because, you Just know, she was... Face, yeah. yeah, and it was... Um, but to actually to hear someone's voice once they've gone is, is um, yeah. That is, that uh, very... is going to hit you hard, isn't it? That is going to hit is, you yes. hard. Mm. I think I had years and years and years ago, I worked in a call center for a well-known communications company. I think I had someone ringing up to say that they lost a relative, but when they rang through there, the account details come up of who's calling, but it wasn't the person because that person is deceased. But the relative said, is there any way I can track down the voicemails on my phone? I think, no, tell a lie. It was the person who called for it. It was their account, but they just asked the question, lost someone recently. I've got voicemails. How do I save it? that's the only sort of um, thing I can link to this episode I've experienced where hearing a voice beyond the grave yeah and I remember at the time thinking that's quite that's very sad I think I think people have complained before where the network have deleted the voicemails that they've saved because networks can delete things remotely obviously yeah very sad I wonder if the victim and Margaret had the um, foresight to save that message or unless they just thought it was too creepy. I don't know. I'd probably have taken out the tape and, and done one of my own. But it's, yes. I, I think, um, you know, when you do lose someone, you've got pictures and reminders. But actually, when you hear their voice, it's, it resonates mm. somewhere else, doesn't it? I, I did something that's quite bizarre. Years and years, I'm glad I did it now. But when I used to visit my grandparents who got me into one, but I... They're at the time in their mid eighties, I thought I always assumed that they were going to go any minute. So I would, I put my phone on record, not feel like just audio, just pick up conversations with them, which I can play back now, which is great. But I did listen back to one from about five, six, seven years ago of us watching a one foot in the grave episode, and all we can hear is my grand laughing throughout, which is amazing. I feel bad because they didn't have that knowledge I was recording it. But I just want it to be organic because I don't, I'm not doing anything with it. It's just my possession, but I can play that back and hear them giggle and chat to me and stuff. Um, I intended for my future self to have that privilege so I can play it back. So I discovered it the other, other day and sort of saved somewhere. Just did a couple. Yeah, it's nice to hear their voice. Yeah. That's really nice, actually. I, I, it's, um, it's something you don't think of probably until it's too late. But, I guess uh, if you go yeah. around doing it with all your friends and family, it could be creepy, but it's just like a couple of times, <laughs> you know, I can see how it sounds, but actually when I play it back, it's quite emotional and I can laugh my head off because the way my nan used to speak to my granddad is very close to how Margaret did with Victor, just sort of every, at the end of each sentence, she'd be huffing and puffing, having to repeat herself because he was hard of hearing. Deaf. Deaf, yeah. Still not sure about that. It was all right at her place, but I'm not sure about ours grandparents had one. I always remember as a child being scared stiff that if the pendulum stopped it meant I was going to die. I used just to sit and stare at it for hours in case it suddenly stopped swinging. Like waiting for your heart to stop. Going on to that, Victor is a bit unsure about the grandfather clock. It's always a grandfather clock that people seem to be passed on. Not anymore as such. I don't really see grandfather clocks anymore but Victor doesn't think it suits the living room compared to how it was in his mother-in-law's house and that he recounts sort of anxieties as a child that the pendulum, hence the title, pit in the pendulum. It was the pit 
the pit and the pension title is the pit referencing the hole, I assume, being in the yeah, pit. That's what I've assumed, yes. Yeah, and the pendulum mm. is what we're speaking about now. Of course, the heartbeat of life is the pendulum, and Victor would just stare at it and hope it just remains moving because at the moment it stops, he assumes that he would die. And he's still here, he says. And I'm still here. <laughs> Again, a bit more darkness in this, this episode. How this ends is quite nice because they go up to bed and Victor's the last to leave, turns off the lights and we got the camera slowly pans onto the grandfather clock. It's making quite a loud ticking noise. She does stop, doesn't it, momentarily? It does. Rather symbolically, Victor is clearly been waiting around the corner. That's part of the humour of this moment because he, he instantly comes in, gives it a kick. <laughs> Not yet, you don't, matey. I think it's, um, if you look really closely, you can see that Margaret stops at the top of the stairs, obviously, because it's a set, so she, she can't actually go up to the bedroom. But, oh, I didn't notice um, that. Yeah, there's a, um, a, oh, like a window, window just behind yeah. it. Yeah, well you can just see where her footsteps um, stop, um, which it, even then is, is just a, a, a nice thing to see yeah. because it's, um, you know, it, when you see these things on screen, you have to, to really want to, to look to find these things. But yes. as it comes down and, and kicks it, I mean, he really does give it a, a good whack. Um, and I, yeah. I just thought, you know, he's just thinking, he comes down the stairs at quite a rapid rate and he gives the, the grandfather clock a really big kick as yeah. if to say, you know, I know I've just heard Margaret's mum's voice on the answer phone, but you're not taking me, matey, Mate, I'm yeah. still here. It's brilliant, um, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, uh, it, it just kind of closes on that and you think, you know, Victor's here, ready to fight another day. I liked uh, when that voice, going back to the voicemail, when he says, well, that's cheering me at no end. Like, yeah. it's great. He brings a bit of comic relief. Then he just, with his sarcasm, it always works. I, I think sometimes you need a little bit of light relief when things 100%. are very sombre because you have to, uh, you know, to, it is unfortunately the, the the circle of life, but he's just, um, you know, he's the, the classic Victor one-liners are, are yes. quite brilliant. Yes. Mm. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode and mm-hmm. what a great start. I think, I don't know how that rates for the series to date for you, but it's definitely one of my favourites. Oh, uh, of series, um, of, of this particular series, it's this one and um, Hearts of Darkness, which I think are probably a lot of, a people lot of like people's favourites. Yeah. Thankfully, I've got the original DVD that I replaced from the videos many years ago that has the whole unedited part of the, the, of the old it's people's There's a so. lot more abuse, isn't there? Sort of shown in the original, isn't there? Yeah. Um, but it was it was the one that probably um, after this one that you kind of looked at and thought, you know, I, um, unfortunately things do happen in this world. And it's it yeah. shows that, um, you know, it, it can't all be sunshine and roses. You no. have to have a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, darkness in your life sometimes. But uh, yeah, probably yeah. that one. Yeah. But there's still plenty more oh, plenty, fantastic ones to come. There's plenty more. Yeah. Mm. I, I just can't believe I'm halfway through reviewing the series already, but there's plenty more to go. A few Christmas specials. Yeah, great slapstick opener, really. Arguably one of the best pranks played on Victor. Uh, like you said, I think audience figures did reach its peak in the, the in the series. 
the Algarve got 20 million from what I read, like the highest rated episode in one foot history. Mm -hmm. But this series definitely picks up massively. It definitely picked up in series three for sure, but those characters have come into their own. Um, I did read that Annette Crosby was a little unhappy with the use of animals. You probably read the same as I did. She's starting to go like, when are we going to not have to have live animals on set? Cows, crabs, dogs, you know, she wasn't too happy about it, but Renwick won't be told what to do and what not to do, I suppose. But um, more than anything, the actors kind of get the stick in the street by people who th- understandably, like, I guess the animal rights thing comes into it. Like The cat in the fr- freezer thing is, is dark because it's a, clearly a prop and why you'd get... I don't think they got death threats back there, but they would certainly get a lot of stick for it. But it's just a prop. I guess it's distaste, distasteful, but nothing more. The actual I live animals. I think that um, with, a, with a lot of these things, people are always prepared to uh, put in their two pennies if there's something that definitely. they feel is, is, oh, uh, yeah. has, has not been dealt with very well. Um, I did read that following, there was some good um, newspaper reviews um, for this particular episode. And uh, there was something that said the Sun in 1993 had a draw Victor Meldrew competition, <laughs> which I thought was just, you know, I mean, obviously I'd have been a bit too uh, too mature to apply for that, probably, you know, ages six to 16 or yeah. whatever. But um, the fact that it had such a wide audience by mm. then, um, yeah. that it was something yeah. that the Sun would actually run as a competition, I thought was really clever. I mean, um, everything starts off with you know little bits of good or bad but yeah. it, the the series i mean even if you look back at only falls and even yeah. porridge you know the uh the first series weren't as strong as the last series it just it's, it just, just revolves, grows, well, it? yeah just it's mm. just how it goes i think i keep referencing falsy towns i know you're not a fan of it but that was the exception where there's there's only two series and they were just so strong if Faulty towers went on for another three or four series we might well be saying that series one wasn't as good as series three four five but those two series stand alone, like The Office, solid. But yeah, One Foot in the Grave. I can like still watch series one and love it, but it's definitely mm-hmm. it's just how it, things evolve. Like Renwick as a writer and Susie Belbin as a producer director, they obviously learned as they went along. Like that's just how it goes. Um, yeah, definitely gets better in my book. Um, it's definitely picked up. The actors have picked up plenty, a lot of fame by now. Like they're already established actors, but they're definitely being recognised in the street by this point. I guess the whole uh, Richard Wilson being buried underground was quite an uncomfortable experience because it was so cold. I, I kind of ignorantly thought that he wouldn't be cold because he's just covered. Like I thought it almost like a really big warm jacket, but he was obviously cold. For some reason, I, I think thought they that had um, um, they gave him hot stuff. water bottles, yeah. which I thought was. But he, in essence, I think it took three times to to film those particular scenes and i yeah. think he was getting a bit uh you know helpful. tiresome towards the end now yeah i mean they had the beast in the cage episode where they were freezing cold throughout that with the, the car window taken out so they could pick up audio so much it's quite a lot of uncomfortable outdoor scenes for um crosby and and Meldrew, uh, Meldrew, wilson i think i read in the book that um the the filming was done between september and october the, the outside filming so yeah. uh, you know I mean it, it looked as if it was kind of sort of early spring but mm. um uh you know you, you have to give credit to the actors probably freezing their yes off. <laughs> absolutely especially um, Mr Gardner guy because yeah Daniel Peacock had I think a wig maker from London had designed the bodily hair and they had to stick it on with what do they have to stick it on with some obviously glue but it was like a 
um, spirit gum or something like spirit that. Spirit gum, yes. Yeah, so probably quite painful to peel off, and they had to keep, keep reapplying it to, for consistency for, for different shots. So, yeah, he was probably in the worst position than, well, I don't know, worse than Rich Wilson or not. He, he's sort of, he was used more towards the end of the day, they were saying, mm. with, with filming, so obviously it gets colder throughout the day. Yeah, well, just a... But they were so worried about his um, his hair being flattened that they didn't let him wear a coat, so they had to wrap him up in one of those Which... uh, silver things that you get at the end of the London Marathon. The marathon, yeah, a bit of foil, like a foil coat yes. almost. Um, Not sure that gives you much protection, but hey-ho. No, no. But yeah, marvellous episode, and uh, mm. I've loved totally reviewing, enjoyed it. Love re- reviewing with that with you, and I'd love, love you to come back on if you if you will. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. I'd love to. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been a really good experience watching it again and, uh, you know, seeing it again from this time as, as to what it was then mm. and, and how it can, you can still watch it and enjoy it all these years later, which I think is brilliant. Um, I'm not going to let you go anywhere until you've had a Meldry moan. Right. Um, now, I could probably, to be honest, give you quite a few, but I'm just going to save it just for the one. That's so um, in these uh, somewhat challenging times, um, one of my, well, every 10 days I go to the supermarket um, and I stand in the queue um, with my, you know, my trolley and whatever. And uh, I was... This was not last week, the week before. It was a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Don't normally go on a Saturday afternoon. It was quite busy. And I stood for, and yes, I did count it because I am that bad, 17 minutes listening to someone playing the most god-awful music from their car so loudly that I, I was trying to listen to your podcast and I couldn't hear it through my headphones. And it was, I don't know whether or not, I'm probably showing my age now, whether or not it was, oh, I couldn't figure out whether or not it was drill music, which is um, obviously a genre that uh, won't surprise you, isn't one that I'm particularly interested (laughs) in. Um, But it wasn't anything that I'd ever heard before. And it was just, it was so bad. I'm sure you weren't alone in thinking that. I'm quite charmed that you listened to one for the podcast to drown out noise, but maybe (laughs) you might need to, I don't, encourage you to not listen but you probably next time you might need uh, to download a, a music podcast i don't know to drown well, out future. what i was actually what i wanted to do in my typical uh victor slash mel slash uh, margaret was to actually go over knock on his window i mean his window was probably halfway down mm. uh, he must have been completely deafened and actually say, what the bloody hell do you think mm. you're doing? Can you not? I mean, I'd have been happy with anything. I don't mind classical music, a little bit of rock, but this music was appalling. And I just wondered what actually gives you the right to assault my eardrums exactly. with your music for 17 minutes while I'm queuing for the supermarket. Hideous. So um, That's a valid, would... valid Meldry moan. You said you had a couple of others, so I, I welcome them. Oh. <laughs> Bring to the table. Um, well, I've... Um, probably mentioned I've got uh, quite a large dog so when I walk the dog in the morning I make sure that I've got the appropriate amount of poop bags to um, to do what every good owner should do um, I find myself increasingly clearing up other people's because You're a great Samaritan just... I, I don't think I do well I feel like I should but I don't I certainly pick up my own dog's poop but good for you for doing su- such a thing 
I, I guess I'm probably more worried at the fact that um, I always used to walk um, looking down on the ground. Now, because I have um, a dog that doesn't like other dogs, I have to look where I'm going, right. which means that sometimes I don't look on the ground and I'm a bit worried that I'm going to end up putting my foot in it. So uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Probably, it's probably for my own uh, benefit rather than everybody else's. I've been on this planet for a long time and there's quite a few. I might, I might say one for, you know, for the next time if you have me back on. A hundred percent. And you do sort of keep referencing that you're old, but you're not old. You don't look it, that's oh, for sure. Bless you. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, I, I'm, I'm older than, uh, than, than some, uh, younger than others. There you go. We'll put yes. it like that. Yeah. But you look great <laughs> for your apparent age. So I thought, thank you. you. That's very kind. Thank you very much, Nikki, for joining. It's been you're a welcome. great I've had a great time. Myself. Thank you. So next episode, episode two, Descent into the Maelstrom. Richard Taylor will be joining. So look forward to that. Apparently Richard is a budding stand-up comedian. But I really enjoyed having you on, Nikki. So thank you very much for your Thank you so much. I've had a great time. Right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you haven't reviewed already, please review, because I say this every time, but it does help the podcast become more widely available to people out there searching for a podcast to download. And if they happen to be a British sitcom fan, they may well want to give this a try. I'm thinking of putting out a another trailer to my podcast to say just so you know the first two series is just me talking and please don't let that put you off because i'll get some great guests eventually anyway thank you very much guys and i'll speak to you next time thank you oh, I'm in the grave.